Salut. Oh, nice to see you. Likewise. So Sunshine Coast never happened. What'd you end up doing? We went up to Bowen and uh, we went to Kate's Bay. So, and we just sort of anchored out there for the day. And then we will sort of like paddle into shore and take the dog for a walk around and just sort of go back and forth. And we ended up, we ended up staying the night out there. So it was awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was gorgeous. And I I hadn't like been on the, like boating a lot because my daughter is like not as much of a fan as she was originally. How old is she? She's 11, but she's like, Hey, the white, we have this, this pool. Can I just like have my friends over and not, you know, go out there and I'm like, well, you gotta, you gotta earn it. (laughs) (laughs) Earn some pool time. Well, I just mean like earn the recreation. I'm always like, you gotta, I know it's not, you know, cause the boat is like, you gotta get ready and, you know, just be prepared. Like it's it's not like, yeah. yeah, Like when you're a kid, you're like, well, what are we doing? The thing? Like I want to just go right to the fun part. Yeah. So, but going out there, it was awesome. Cause I was like, this is the best. Like, you know, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to Ontario, um, in a week and I, I used to live there. And so I go there like quite regularly and, uh, we're, we're working on an office expansion and, um, I'm like, fuck, it's so nice here. And I don't want to be away during the summer. Like it's like really special, like especially being out there and then staying overnight because it's like oh, 10 30. Yeah. It's so good. So anyway, it was great. How good is that coffee when you wake up in a boat? It's the best. It's the best cup of coffee ever. I just love that. Yeah. I love that feeling. Yeah. And then you have a little swim and it's already sunny out. So good. Yeah. It's absolutely the best. I love it too. So much. Well, I hope it works out next time and you make it all the way up, you know, weather dependent. Well, what's cool that I wanted to try is the guy, the guys from uh, uh, La Quercia have the, they're running the restaurant at Secret Cove. Yeah. I was like, this is the the best of both worlds. You could like go up there and like sort of just, you know, put around and chill during the day yeah. or like go over there for lunch or whatever. So that's good. the best. They're doing yeah. such good work there. Yeah. That's They're so cool. That's too. a great idea actually. Yeah. Well, it's a lifestyle idea. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's going to be a long winter. This will be the first year they're mm-hmm. telling me they're going to stay open. All oh, year. they are. Yeah, that's the plan. Oh, wow. Um, okay. You know, maybe, uh, maybe just the two of them, maybe him cooking her running the front and okay. uh, maybe just doing lunches every day or something. Okay. But I mean, gonna... I guess yeah, I guess they'll find out one way or the other if there's enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's enough people up there though, to, to at least keep it somewhat. They're going to find out. Yeah. I think it's one of those places where the population, you know, quintuples in the summer yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, and it's pretty. Do, is that quiet. your, like you have a cottage up there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know the whole, have you, do you go up there in the winter at all? Uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. much. It's actually quite nice, but you know, no, no boating really. It's mm-hmm. more about like just getting cozy mm-hmm. and hiking mm-hmm. and, and, uh, play some board games or whatever. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah so it's, it'll be a few or far between, but always a good place to be. But in the summer, it feels like an, another, another continent. It's, yeah. It's just the yeah. best feeling. Yeah. I yeah, love it so much. It's pretty cool. Did but you grow up out here? I grew up in, uh, I was born in Vancouver, grew up in Kelowna. Okay. And then oh, yeah. school at UVic and then here. Okay. Do you go to back to Kelowna often or? Yeah. I'm going there tomorrow. Oh. Parents are still there. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fun too out there. Oh yeah. Like it's a fun place yeah. to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I was, yeah. by the time I was 16, I was uh, able to take the boat, like trailer the boat, launch it by myself with my buddies, have totally. a day on the lake. 
and then big white in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was a fun place to grow mm -hmm. up. Like it was a small town kind of back mm -hmm. then. And it's no Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like a similar kind of, um, cause that's what we did in the summer. We'd just be out on the lake. Right. And everyone would have like a boat is dangerous. I was like, when I think back at like some of the stuff that we did when we were like, you know, 15, what we used to do, we'd be like, okay, everybody, you tell, you know, that classic thing. It's like, everybody, you tell your parents that you're staying at my house. I'll tell my parents I'm staying at his house. Yeah, da, 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 da. And then we'd go up to my friend's, we call it camp up there. Um, it's like a, the cottage country. It's really neat. And, uh, but it would just be like, stand by me. We'd have like <laughs> five of us and uh we'd have no money or any food or anything so we would just be like trying to survive we would you know we would go you know steal gas put around on these boats there was all these like really sort of wealthy american kids that would would come up they had cottages up there and so we would go and like you know steal steal food from them or put our lunch at the local <laughs> restaurant on someone's account and and uh but it was great and but but when i think about some of the stuff we did i'm like holy Holy shit. How did we, you wouldn't want your daughter doing it. I'm like terrified if she does even half of what <laughs> I did. Yeah. Uh, the joys of parenting. Yeah. How many kids do you have? Uh, two, eight, okay. eight and 12, eight and 12. Okay. Yeah. 12 is boy. A girl. Okay. Eight, it's a girl. Okay. Oh, well, that's fun. Yeah. It is not boring. Yeah. I love it. I mm -hmm. totally love it. I'm obsessed with them. I am obsessed. I love it. It's all they're they're what I think about, you know, most oh, yeah. of the time. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Other than work getting in the way. Uh, I'm a great dad. Most of the time. Well, you gotta you gotta do a bit of work in order to be a great dad too, I guess. So what was it like growing up in <clears throat> St. Marie for reals? I mean, I'm sitting here talking to a guy who's wearing a mustache and mm -hmm. might have a mullet. And yeah, yeah, there you go. It's, some things don't change. And you're from Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> and you design some of the nicest places in the world. Mm -hmm. The two, like, I don't know if it totally fits. Yeah, it's certainly, um, yeah, not not congruent, I guess. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I've, I've obviously reflected on that a lot. Um, I mean, I get asked that question all the time whenever I do an interview, partially because I've named the company somewhat after the city that I grew up in. So clearly it was kind of special in a way. And, um, you know, like growing up there was, was, uh, it was really, really, you know, great, um, in a lot of ways. And then it was really limiting in, in, um, in equal amount of ways. And so both, both things I think have really informed how I've like, you know, moved through making a career in the arts and, uh, partially what was, what I, what I loved about it is, I mean, um, I think, and, and you, I think you can grow up anywhere and sort of have this, this same kinship with, with us, with a place, but, but there's a rich sense of history and it's, um, a lot of, uh, Italian immigrants. There was a large wave of Italian immigration, uh, somewhere in the early, um, 1900s, I believe. And, and there's a, there's a big steel plant there. So it was like a, you know, an industry town and a lot of these Italian immigrants came over and it was my dad's side of the family. And, and so it was really kind of like rich kind of Italian culture there. Um, and that was, that was cool. So everyone would have a garden in their backyard. They'd have a kitchen in their basement. You would go to people's houses and make like, you know, like, uh, um, you know, Pomodoro sauce and, and, and salami and prosciutto and, and those kind of things. And so, 
it was like a pretty good sense of community in, in that regard. And then also it was very connected to, to nature. So it's pretty striking. It's kind of like the, um, um, you know, like sort of Northern Ontario. And I mean that like North of Toronto, like the Muskokas, uh, it's a lot of little, little islands and interconnected lakes and that sort of spans up there, but then it starts to be the Canadian shield. So it was sort of the inflection point of those two spots. And so, so really we spent a lot of our time on those, on those lakes in the summer. So it really was super, uh, kind of critical part of my growing up where we were super in independent, but also having these, uh, kind of adventures. And, um, I had a really close knit group of friends that I'm still very close with, uh, till, uh, this day today. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of like, it really was like stand by me. I just, I have like a vivid memory of walking down these kind of dusty roads talking about, you know, who would win in a fight, Bruce Lee or like <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, and, uh, and just sort of living like that for long stretches of, of the summer and then playing a lot of sports. I was really serious about soccer when I was a kid. Um, and those things were all, all quite available there. Um, and, you know, I played, I played hockey and I was, I was really into all that, but, but I was also kind of like, uh, uh, you know, a daydreamer. And then I got into the theater later in, in life. And there was a little, there was these little pockets of an outlet for that, but really it was quite, you know, kind of alien for the people that, that live there. It wasn't, it wasn't a popular thing by any stretch of the imagination, um, so that made me feel like a bit of an outsider and, but I always felt comfortable in being a bit of an outsider in that regard. Um, and, uh, and, um, and because there wasn't access to, you know, the arts and it was a small town and it was quite like, it felt kind of insular and a little bit, you know, like not progressive. And I, for whatever reason, you know, growing up, I always felt like I had kind of more, maybe, you know, maybe more left-wing progressive values just was the way I was. Um, and I felt like that wasn't, you know, that wasn't what was, you know, the norm there. Um, and I just kind of embraced that. And so I would, I would, uh, kind of escape into, you know, books and, 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 and film. So I kind of lived this kind of dual life where I was kind of, you know, spending a lot of time with my, my, my buddies, which they were all kind of like pretty, they were not just straight up jocks or anything like that. They were, they're, you know, they're pretty, uh, into school and reading and stuff like that. You know, they've gone on to, you know, be like an architect and a, and, uh, and a doctor and, and, and stuff like that. And so we were always kind of like, you know, we, but we played sports and, and, and we, and we, you know, got into trouble. We did, we did a bunch of, you know, mushrooms and, and acid and, and, and had our, and had our like crazy adventures. There was a lot of parties all the time. So I was pretty, pretty popular in that regard. Although not like one of the, you know, you know, I wasn't the captain of the football team. I was still a little bit, um, you know, smaller guy and I was into the art. So I was sort of like, but I was, I guess, kind of capable of sort of you know, transcending some friend, friend groups and, and felt pretty, pretty comfortable in a net way. Um, but on the other side, it was also very, uh, shy and, and kind of quiet and introverted and, and spent a lot of time, 
uh, reading and, uh, you know, you know, drawing and, and exploring like that side of my sort of, uh, creative mind. And then that led me into, um, into getting into theater and, and, and found this weird little niche. So that was the kind of, you know, that's the Cole's notes of it. I get it. I can yeah. relate. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if Kelowna is very different. I, I don't think it is to Kelowna be honest Lake with you. And sort of you know? culture. Yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of time tree planting later in life. And so I'd go to these little pockets of, you know, um, Northern Ontario and, and smaller towns. And, and, and I, I, I kind of think like <laughs> you even drive like, you know, an hour outside of this city or Toronto and it, it starts to feel small town again, oh, you know? Yeah. So I, I actually don't think it's that vastly, vastly different. Um, and I think you'd probably find the same thing if you grew up outside of Texas or like Austin, mm -hmm. if you were, if you weren't in Austin and you were in anywhere in Texas and, and, and even in like smaller towns in, in California, right. It's, so I think we, we assume that there's this kind of metropolitan, more sophisticated thing that, that other people experience, but, uh, but I've come to learn that it's, it's not really like that. And anyone who's more, you know, into a kind of, uh, creative background or, or whatever has like this really deep interest when they're young, even if it was business, right. You'd be completely ostracized no, no matter where you grew up, you would be an outsider in that regard. So I think as I get older, you start meeting anyone who sort of pursued something that they were really like, like really driven by as a, as a, as a young person, then it, it ends up being a little bit of a thing that singles you out. Yeah. What's good. You're still buddies with all your Mm -hmm. bros from there. It's mm -hmm. a good feeling. I am too. Mm -hmm. I love it. I had a good lunch with a couple old buddies on Sunday. Yeah. It's really cool. It was so nice. I love the old friends that you probably haven't seen them in, I don't know, a couple of years mm -hmm. and you can sit down with them after not seeing them for two years and just pick up like that. Totally. Like where you left off. It's hardly, it's like you saw him yesterday. Yeah. The conversation just flows. It's the best. Yeah. And your, your wives are like, guys, would you just shut the fuck up? Nothing <laughs> that you're saying is funny. <laughs> but you think it is. <laughs> exactly. Oh, like what? This is, this is comic gold right now. You know what I notice yeah. when you, when you go into the smaller places, Kelowna, suburbs, all that kind of stuff, the parents get so much younger. I oh noticed, yeah. I noticed in the cities oh, yeah. that, you know, my kids are eight and 12, yeah. but my buddies in Kelowna, I have buddies whose kids have graduated university already. I know it's wild. It's same, same with my friends that, yeah. that have stayed in, in, in Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Yeah. But even here, when you're driving like from here to the interior and you stop, you know, to grab some food somewhere along the way and you'll see uh, parents in there that look like, I don't know, 21 or something. It's mm -hmm. just, uh, it's so bananas. It's very visible, very noticeable. To me. Well, it's like, do you, are you trying to, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm like, I'm convinced that the, that being a late bloomer is, a, is kind of a good thing. And then you keep trying to, you know, push your ability to evolve and learn new things and reinvent yourself as you continue to be older, that, yeah. that, that should help keep you, you young, but that might just be like oh. wishful thinking. Have you seen Idiocracy? I talk about this movie too much. I love it so no, much. I don't think so. You gotta watch it. It's so okay. funny. It's 20 years the, old. Is that the South Park guys that, Mike that Judge. made that? Oh, it's Mike Judge. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I love him. It's yeah. brilliant, man. Okay. It starts out with these like very like urban metropolitan professor types mm. explaining why they're not having children right now because these mm -hmm. aren't the right market conditions totally. and you know all these all these rational reasons mm -hmm. 
and and it's showing what's happened like we're it's setting the stage mm-hmm. for the future mm-hmm. and all of the non-educated people have just been yeah. pumping out babies like five kids yeah, yeah it's taken over they forget yeah. about feeding water to the crops it's just like it's <laughs> oh, the yeah. funniest movie they're like driving uh like like a you know, Sherman tank around town and, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> cool, whatever. Like <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, such a good laugh. We might be living through that. I mean, well, that's what's funny, but it's <laughs> an accurate prediction of so many things. It gets funnier every five years actually. Cause it seems to be getting more accurate. Uh, yeah. Or like alarming. <laughs> so did you come to Vancouver for acting? Well, kinda, I mean, I was, um, I came just on a, on a lark, I kind of just came to visit a friend of mine. One of those guys that I grew up with was out here and I had gone through, uh, I'd sort of broken up with the girl that I had been dating for a long time. And I was kind of having a summer where it was like a little too much, you know, partying. I was like, well, and I had a great group of, uh, friends and network and in Toronto and I was working as an actor, but mostly in the theater. And I was like, well, I'll come visit my friend. I got to get out of here for a bit, just sort of break it up. And, and I came out here. And, uh, and I ended up, uh, you, you just get an agent when you're, when you're working as an actor, that's your thing. You go get an agent. They're like, well, you go to these auditions and it was all film and TV stuff out here. And, and, uh, I was like, well, well, you know, we'll see how this goes. And I started getting all these, uh, I guess like these small parts and I got a kind of big part in a TV show. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I think this is what I have been waiting for. I want to, you know, I'm making some money for the first time. And, uh, and I went and did the, did the, the show and I just really didn't like, didn't enjoy it. And, uh, and so I, I, I I just remember having this kind of crisis of, uh, you know, existential crisis being like, well, I've I've been sort of wanting to do this for my whole life. And now that I'm uh, making some money doing it, um, and I could, you know, you could try to break through in the Toronto theater, but there's no real money there. And now that I'm making some money in, in, in Vancouver doing these TV shows and, but I'm not enjoying it. It's like, Oh, did I make a big mistake? (laughs) But, but that happened all really quickly when I came out here and I just, I just came out to, to just, just change of scenery kind of thing. And, um, and that was a, yeah, obviously an inflection point for me. Cause I was like, I'd always done this design stuff as like a pretty serious hobby. In fact, my big idea was that I would be like, Oh, I'll have, I'll do my, you know, just do some plays and I'll try and do some film and TV, but, but then I'll have this little design shop and that'll be my, my, my day job. So that was my sort of like, you know, my like imagined reality for myself in the future. And so I was always doing stuff like that. And then when I came out here and found, uh, that I wasn't super keen on actually being on these sets and stuff like that. Uh, I was like, I'm just going to try this thing full on. And, uh, I don't think I would have had the guts to do it if I was in Toronto. Cause I was surrounded by like people that have known, had known me for, you know, 10, 15 years. I'd gone to theater school with them. They were all like arts people. I'd go to this, this friend's, you know, um, band would be playing or I'd go to an art opening or I'd go to a, like, uh, like my friend's play would be opening. I was just always in that kind of thing. And it was a very cool, like really fun, um, super creatively, you know, uh, engaging community, but it was also, I was also in this kind of, uh, uh, yeah, I was in this like role, you know, in a way I was in this kind of fixed 
kind of thing and how everyone knew me. And so I don't think I would have felt the ability to do something vastly different. Whereas here I, I literally had, you know, one friend and knew, you know, a couple acquaintances. <laughs> so I was like, well, I certainly have nothing to lose. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just did that. And I, I, I um, yeah, uh, that was, that was the inflection point anyway. And then, and how, what was the first design gig in Vancouver? Well, at the time it was really interesting because, uh, I had all these friends I had, uh, that were working at Shambar, right. And Shambar was like this place. It was just like really, it was really fun and it, but it was high quality and it had like a, it was kind of on like, you know, it was like a little bit edgy in the sense that it was in a, like, you know, a neighborhood that wasn't Yale town or, or, or whatever. And, um, and, uh, and that's where I met my, my now, uh, wife. I'm, we're not technically married, but you know, for all, for the intents and purposes, my partner, we met her there and, and, and there was all these young people that were in, into, you know, restaurants and food. And they were really like, you know, just, they were sort of on the cusp of doing a bunch of stuff. And, uh, and so my first real project was Tristan, my partner and I had like bought this condo, which is, uh, was this old loft, the candy factory lofts across from where the whip used to be. And, uh, and I was like, Hey, I think I can, I'm going to fix this whole place. And, and she was like, okay, sure. You know, so kudos to her. She sort of trusted me to do whatever. And I just sort of pulled it back to the studs and, and sort of rebuilt the whole, the whole loft myself. Um, and that included like, you know, pouring concrete countertops, building millwork, doing electrical and make, making lights, making all the furniture. Uh, I did, I did everything there. Um, made, you know, curtains, I built the stairs. I did, did it, did it all. Um, that's when I was still working partially as an actor. And, and then I, you know, obviously had my, you know, go get my waitering job and, uh, and then hanging out with, with her and her network of friends that were all working at Shambar and, and just talking to, to everyone. I was, you know, I was like telling everyone what I was up to and, uh, in the back of my head, knowing that I was like freaking out about this acting thing. I was like, what am I doing? I've made a big mistake. I was like, maybe I can do this. So, so I think I was partially, uh, you know, networking a little bit, trying to convince people that I should come and help them, you know, do a restaurant or something. And then just by circumstance, uh, Tanis, who was now, who owns Kisitanto and, and Balbe was the main, one of the main bartenders at Shambar. And, uh, yeah, we had her over at the house one day, we're having a party and then, yeah, you know, people were like, Oh, the place looks great. It's cool. And, you know, I was like, well, this is how I did it all. And then she's like, yeah, maybe you could help me a little bit. I'm doing this new restaurant in Chinatown and I'm, I'm just unsure about some stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'll come down there and have a look at it. And I went down there and I was like, oh, well, there's a few things that I would do a little bit differently. And uh, what did it look like then? They was just it already sort of, open? No, 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 no. They just started demoing it. And okay. she had this, she had this really great kind of contractor who was a design build guy. And uh, his name was Ryan Murphy and he was super talented and, and, and it built some, some spots and, and she had a lot of ideas. Um, but it was just kind of like it had been demoed and, and, uh, and, uh, there was a tiny bit of framing up, but it was pretty, you know, it's just a job site. You know what I love about the aesthetic in there is I wonder like which parts of it are old and which parts are new. 
Yeah. I mean, it's all new <laughs> in <Yeah>. a way, <laughs> but it, but, but we obviously kind of made it look a bit, yeah. a bit old. And then the and, lighting and then fill it with people. Like, it, yeah. I don't think it's, I mean, I feel it's aged quite well. It's one of my favorite spots because it sort of transcends style. And, and I think that's kind of cool. And I, I don't think I would ever really make something like that exactly again, but I think that's what, what's nice about it is it's really, it's really her spot Yeah, and it's an embodiment of her you know, how she thinks about, you know, food and gathering and family and all that stuff. And, and that, that's what I, that's sort of, so that was my first, you know, restaurant project, which was really a collaboration between Tannis and myself and, and the contractor design build guy, Ryan. And, uh, and we all sort of just would hang out and like jam on ideas. And I was like, she, she couldn't afford to hire me in any capacity. So I said, why don't you just, you know, pay me I'll work with Ryan. I'll be like assist as a, you know, contractor's assistant. And, uh, then I'll get, I'll get paid to, to, to be working on the project. And then we will just continue working on how we evolve the design and we'll sort of do it as we go. And so that was my first project. Cool. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. Cause now my, my new office is let right next, <laughs> next door. So oh, no way. it's kind of nice. We've sort of come full circle into back to that neighborhood. So, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then how did you get into the restaurant business yourself? Um, well, after I did that restaurant, I did a series of other restaurants and they were all quite successful, like, um, meat and bread. And, uh, I did revolver coffee, um, uh, you know, uh, Farina and, and, and stuff like that. Balbe, Balbe, Farina, meat and bread. Um, what else did I do early days? Probably ask for Luigi. Um, I was doing a bunch of restaurants. Yeah, and, those are uh, the, it's like yeah. a major hit list in Vancouver of good restaurants. Yeah, and I think the reason why they kind of worked is because I was always, you know, looking at it, uh, really, and and we, you know, we sort of re have reversed engineered a whole process and methodology. But when I first started, I would just look at it as a kind of uh, like a like a story or a play. Right, it came from that background. I looked at everything as how are you how do people feel, you know, or what do you, what's the narrative? What's the experience? What's the story? Like I, I, I always was looking at it through the lens of, of that kind of thing and, and then figuring out how to, how to, how to build and design to, to evoke this kind of feeling. And but so how do you decide on what the story is going to be. Well, there's always, there's always like hints and cues and clues. And, and, um, the good thing about starting from, from restaurants and starting from an owner operator restaurant or a chef driven restaurant is that there's a, there's a person that's got this them. dream. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're just like, you talk to them. Yeah. yeah. You just hang out and you spend time trying to like sort of pull that stuff out. And sometimes they have the language for it and sometimes they don't, but more often than not, there's like a trail of clues. Like, you know, I got they're, they're like, I have this match book from when I was traveling in here. And I always thought this was like cool. And, and, and they're like, here's some photos of when I, uh, this and like, and, and it was really like about that. It was, it was often about, about memory and about stories and stuff like that. And then, and then because that is, that's genuine, that's real. And that gives you an actual, uh, sort of bit of a North star to follow. Whereas if you look at images, right, especially if it's something from a magazine back then or from, from the internet, um, it's not grounded in a personal kind of point of reference. And so it really doesn't create a North star. It, it could go 
it, it looks a certain way, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily evoke feeling or a narrative. Right. And so, yeah, so we would just spend a lot of time like talking about things and, and even why are, why are you doing this? And, and what are your, you know, it's usually there's a lot of memories involved and we're trying to, you know, unpack, unpack that just like when you're, when you're doing a, you know, the, 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 when you're working in, in, in theater, you're rehearsing, you're, you're really just trying to, you're just trying to like root it out. Where are the, where are the breadcrumbs of, of what we should follow that, that, that sort of like if elicit some sort of feeling that propel you to go in a direction. And, and so that was always my instinct. And, um, and so that's the way we would do it. And then you of course would get, you know, visuals like that would help, you know, that, that's the way I look at it, you know, after the fact is you're like, well, how do we, how do we have things in the built environment that bring us to that feeling? And so, so I, I feel like that's why those places were successful because they did come from a very authentic uh, place. Um, now you don't always have that luxury, especially as you sort of, uh, you know, grow and, and that kind of thing. But, but in those days when there was real people there, you, you there was always something. What's there. an example of, of a feeling that a chef or a restaurateur was trying to create or the way they would describe it? Mm-hmm. Was it a memory from their past or was it when I, people walk in, I want them to feel X? Yeah, it would be like, uh, okay, well, if you take like um, my restaurant, Pepino's, I'll speak on my behalf um, because clean. Um, but then I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example from a few other people. But, but it was always like in Sault Ste. Marie, you had red sauce Italian. It was just kind of like this notion of um, like the immigrant story was now we have, we can eat, you know, bigger pieces of meat. And there's like, you know, like there's this sense of like plenty. Right. And, uh, and that was what sort of rooted there. And that's the same in, in uh, Montreal, New York, that was, that was the, the kind of, you know, uh, that kind of food took hold. And so those restaurants were there and that's where we would, you know, you'd go to your hockey game or whatever, and you'd go have spaghetti and meatballs or pizza at, at these, at these places, or you'd go to, you know, someone's house and you go to their, you know, their wood panel basement and you'd, you'd make, you'd make salumi and, and, and prosciutto and you'd hang out and have, and, ha- and you'd have pasta and stuff like that. And it would be, it would be loud and there would be tons of people there and it would be, it was kind of cheesy in a way that it was like, you know, like it was like done in an affordable way. It's like wood paneling on the walls, you know, some tile or some carpet down there. Um, it, It wasn't, it wasn't glamorous, but it's so loaded for me in terms of memories that are positive, that are like surrounded by that kind of food that, that when we do the space, then you're like, well, we just want to be, we want to evoke that same thing. And so, you know, the, the space that I inherited in that regard already had a lot of that in there because it was just the way they, they did it. Um, but for instance, when we did Tannis's place, it's the same as like, you know, her, her hanging out with her family usually. And, um, it was a mix between that, right? Like, um, having this remarkable, you know, food that's like really in, in, embedded in her, you know, uh, the core of her bones that, that are, is, is warming and comforting and is associated with, with sharing and positive family things. But, 
but quite often would be if it was at a restaurant and under like, you know, punishing light. <laughs> and she was like, but when I was in London, I had this like real sense of history in these places. And there was this kind of like layer of the, of like, you know, kind of, um, you know, an evolution of, of how cultures had been layered on top of each other. And so there was this kind of like lived in coolness and a sense of history and stuff like that. So she, she had those memories from a real formable time of her life there. And so we're sort of trying to bridge the, those two things. And, and, um, yeah. And, and, and frankly, you, tr you can try and sometimes like, um, if somebody's got a very strong association and when you miss the mark, they're like, they're like, you know, ruthlessly, <laughs> um, critical. <laughs> so <laughs> that's their baby. Yeah. 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 So you do, you have no choice but to, to strike some kind of nerve because they just won't let you get away with something that's inauthentic. So it's a good way to learn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Mm -hmm. And so you have a couple of restaurants now or not just, uh, not just Pepino's, right? Latana. We have Pepino's and Latana next door. And then we obviously have Savio Volpe, which is our first one. And we're doing where we have another one in the pipeline right now that we're hopefully will be open within the year. Nice. Yeah. Or sooner. Nice. But, uh, and you got a partner in those. Yeah. My uh, partner is Paul Grunberg and you know, he's he, anyone who dines out will have seen and met him along the way. And, you know, he's been all over the place. He's an old school, uh, restaurant pro. He's great great at what he does probably the in my opinion the best just a consummate like host uh cares about guest experience super high standards and so he he runs he runs the show over there and you know my job is to you know find some spaces help you know unlock uh what we're doing conceptually and then obviously sort of spearhead the design and the construction and try and get us something that we all like and can hopefully make a bit of revenue from. And, uh, sounds like a great yeah. partner. Oh, he's wonderful. Like a yeah. real expert, a real oh, yeah, passion yeah. about, yeah, yeah. about that. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's the best. He's the best at what he does. And you've done other work for, uh, other big names, Earl's and. Yeah. I people. did some stuff for Earl's a number of years ago, help them kind of unchain the chain is what they've termed it after the fact, but we worked on, uh, kind of prototype with them trying to think about how you Does that mean unchain the chain well they're a chain restaurant you know and yeah. i think that there starts to be affiliations where that starts to be you know not not it's like doesn't evoke like you know strictly positive things anymore where it's like well you're resting on your laurels you're boring you're maybe doing the same thing you're cookie cutter and um you know what we talked about when we did a lot of work with them was the idea of how do you how do you keep the you know, positive affiliations of a, you know, a brand, which is consistency, reliability, uh, you know, sense of trust, like all those, those good things that you get history and all that, and then allow, you know, allow yourself or your brand to put 15% of that in the blender. Every time you do a new location to allow some new ideas in and to, and to maybe have a bit of a, um, location specific inflection yeah. right so that makes sense yeah. right something very local yeah i mean you you want to you want to you still want the hits right you still want to have some of the stuff that, that you want but you also maybe want to you don't want the one that is 
you know, the, the, the one that the, we did, we did one for them, uh, in, in Calgary. And then the other one that we took far along was the one, um, in West Van, uh, the newer one, Ambleside. Yeah. And yeah, so you don't want Ambleside to be the same as, you know, Brentwood or yada, yada, yada. You want some, you want some specificity and some, a bit of the local narrative there. And you want to be able to also let your, you know, let your, your culinary team ex experiment and explore and, and feel a sense of ownership. Right. And I think that, that can, can, sort of dissipate when it's like, well, we're just running the, we're running the same, you know, automatic kind of recipe every time it, it loses that personal touch. And I think that's something that, that, um, that they certainly recognize the value in being able to get back to that a bit. And, you know, very, like very smart group of people, obviously, and, and super capable. And it was a very, very fun, uh, um, very fun project that we worked on with them. But yeah. 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 Did any work in the States or anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a I did a restaurant in Austin called Laurel, uh, which was a collaboration with a local architect there that's kinda like the kind of main hospitality um firm down there called Michael Shoe and Associates. Super talented and I became uh, pretty good friends with the the guy that that started that restaurant brand. They have a, another brand called Uchi and this was a one off with a really remarkable barbecue guy and, 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 and their, their culinary director that sort of brings this, uh, you know, um, it was a sort of Southeast Asian barbecue concept and, you know, via Texas kind of dance hall vibe. So <laughs> it was really cool. It sounds cool. Yeah. And we're down there, we're doing a lot of stuff now. And like that, you know, we, we probably did mostly restaurants for the first five, six years that we were around. And then, and then, started to do a lot more large scale hospitality and, and real estate. And so we're, we're very active on the real estate side in in the U S uh, predominantly. And, um, and, uh, you know, as you know, we do, we do a bunch of work with, with Ani down there. And the fun thing about working with them is they'll do, you know, they'll, they'll have, they'll have, you know, retail and office and rental and, and there's a, you know, it's truly mixed use. And so, We've, we've been able to build a lot of trust with them and help them say, okay, well, maybe there's a ground plane experience, you know, that, that could really help activate this, this, uh, particular site and, 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 uh, have been able to help them get some cool stuff off the ground and, um, a lot of F and B on, on their projects and, and, uh, and crazy amenities and stuff like that, which I look at everything through the same kind of lens you know, all through the lens of hospitality. I think that nucleus of how we developed those earlier ideas, we've just tried to create a, a real way that you could bring that kind of thinking to, to sort of any scale and, totally. and, and yeah. So certainly retail. Oh yeah. Big time. And I think like now more than ever, right? Like you're, if you're like competing with, you know, uh, online direct to consumer kind of stuff, then you, you obviously your, your Trump card as, as brick and mortar is, is connecting with people and having experience. So, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And in the condo business, it's the same. We're creating experiences for people. For sure. I mean, the way that we look at condo is like, how do we, how do we be very empathetic to, um, where you live and make sure that those are, you know, 
you also can't you can't overbuild you can't overdesign there obviously there's limitations so you you we i quite appreciate working within the parameters there um but try to be super empathetic about like how someone lives in that space and i know often you're having a conversation around like well what's the difference between if is this for an investor or an end user we we don't ever want to talk about that we want to be like well let's just we just want to talk about the end user right and and we think it adds value to the investor either way obviously so we just try to think about livability in the in the actual unit and then when you go to like you know obviously amenity then we're like well let's let's play let's with play. this yeah, yeah let's have some yeah. fun yeah and then that's why we like having the marketing conversation right because i love being able to jump to the to the launch right to to envision like what that's going to look like like really like like i want to know the story you know like we think in a narrative way so i want to know what that story is to help people sell that and 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 you know you know the best sales is just being able to really tell people what the expectations are and being able to get them to 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 feel comfortable and then and then and, and then you know, we, we kind of only want to work with people that will actually deliver on that. So if that's the goal, then we, we want to know that as a design practice and we want to kind of like reverse engineer it into the space. So we like to jump, you know, all the way to the future with, with you guys and then, and then jump back to how do we actualize it in the built environment, you know, so that it can be done yeah. and cause it sucks when it, when it's like all, uh, you know, it's all just like, it's all talk in a boardroom <laughs> and then it just gets whittled down in value engineered and you end up with the same product that you otherwise could have. Like, why waste the time then? Totally. <laughs> yeah. You know, Snux is yeah. boring. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Boring blows. <laughs> it's terrible. And it's, uh, it's so, so great to have minds like yours in the business. We have a similar approach with our project mm -hmm. success strategies. We start with a story or we, we dumb it down even more just mm -hmm. to point forms about, you know, what we call key messages, mm -hmm. which are really just USPs. Like yeah. what is it about this offering, this story that we're taking in the public that they just can't ignore? For sure. What is it that is just so compelling? What is it? If they, if they looked at our stuff and only remembered three things, what mm -hmm. would they be? That kind of yeah. thing. And then if you can say, now let's marry that to how we actualize it, right? Like, let's not, let's not, let's not take the narrative and try to bend it so hard to like what we can do or vice versa, you know, like it, it, it's because I find that that kind of can become quite common where it's like, well, um, you know, does it bear out? Does it, does it actualize in the in in the space in the actual in the actual programming or because quite often if you if you have a story that you can't you can't construct like literally construct if you're not reading um the the um you know execution side of it correctly then it's going to get value engineer it's going to get backed out and then you're still going to have to pump that story hardcore because you still have got a you know <laughs> so got a lot of money on the line. <laughs> so, so we're pretty, uh, dogmatic about saying, well, let's not fool, let's not fool ourselves. Let's, let's just try to get down to what we could actually own here and what we can actualize and what you, you know, I'm a big fan of that Jim Collins book, good to great, where it's like this, <laughs> 
right? This, that notion of the hedgehog kind of strategy where it's like, well, it's better to, to distill and have something that you can do better than anyone else. Even if that's like a really simple thing. Um, and you know, when, when you're in a, uh, real estate town like Vancouver, where like, it's so frothy, you know, for so many years and people have hindsight as, as, uh, kind of the most trusted set of data, then you can quite often do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, whereas we like to encourage people to say, well, you know, you're building as, you know, it has limitations, you know, where you gotta be, you know, we, we, we know that there's, there's a reality of your, of your construction budget and, and bring us into that story, you know, bring us into the, the, the nitty gritty, give us all the fucking bad news. You know, like we don't want to, we don't, we hate it when we're, when people are like, no, no, you're the designers just go and imagine, right? Like we're like, no, we don't exist in a, in a fairy tale world. Right. We're still the people that have got to, you know, uh, we got to draw your whole project. You we got to coordinate it yeah. to completion, right? We're there along the way. So I'd rather not pretend like the us of, of, of today in the boardroom is not the us of tomorrow when we're whittling this project down because none of what we envision can actually be executed collectively. So we'd rather, you know, mix it up with, with people and just get, get in there and be like, let's lay, let's have the good and the bad in equal measures. And let's, and let's get it to somewhere where even though we've got, you know, we've got not a lot to, to pull from. Sometimes there's hardcore constraints. We're still going to find a magical way to, to get to the other side. That's how we started. You think like the restaurants, we didn't have, we didn't have two pennies to rub together when we were doing those things before. <laughs> yeah. You're just winging it yeah. every day. Yeah. And, and being like, well, you know, even you know, even, even my restaurant, when, when I did it, I was, I was kind of like terrified about, about failure and, and really, you know, what, where most, you know, restaurants fail is in that they've, they've just over committed from a CapEx standpoint. And then they, they've got this crazy uphill battle to, to get out from under that, 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 uh, that original spending. Um, and it just, yeah, it's usually. What's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's usually, um, and so, so, you know, like I was really, you know, cognizant of that when I was building my first restaurant for me and my partner, um, because I wanted it to look great, but I also didn't want us to be saddled with so much debt that success had to be such a home run, you know, and, uh, the, the amount of additional pressure you just put on, on everyone to execute at that level you know, we're sort of living through some of that in our, our downtown stuff right now where we're saying, you know, Hey, hey like, you know, we got to sell this for whatever it is. You know, I don't even know what the numbers are. It's like two, two, two grand, 2,200, 2,500 bucks a, a foot or whatever. And, and, and meanwhile, construction costs keep, keep, you know, changing and going up and, and, and supply chains like stuff has been so out of whack, you know, it was such a concentrated, uh, challenge to, to execute there. Um, um, so, you know, if you envision those projects and you're not trying to get as much juice for the squeeze out of them and you hit these kind of headwinds, then, then what do you, what do you really do at that point? So 
I'm just a big fan of being conservative about about that stuff, but then but then being distilled and purposeful about what you're doing so that it you really do pull something off that that is remarkable. And I know that there's other people, you know, like like Ian and, and West Bank can sort of get to the some of these, you know, um these numbers. Um and and I think that's like, you know, cool and stuff like that. But but it's but it's not it's not our company that that could can deliver on that. We're more about from the inside out. What's the what's the real livability of of the space and use of those amenities and that they're that they really are uh, just fully executed soup to nuts sort of the way that we want to look at it. Mm hmm. I get it. It's, I see like a common theme with your own restaurants and your projects, even going all the way back to theater, to that like story building mm -hmm. and vision building early yeah. of, you know, back to theater, you know, the character, the story, the rehearsing, yeah. digging into stuff, exploring, playing, like, you know, finding a dead end. Oh, let's go somewhere else. For and sure. Finding, oh, there's, there's some meat on this bone. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly the yeah. way that, that's exactly what it's like. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. And, and I, I guess that's kind of like, you know, as we expand the business, I'm, I'm mindful that you, you do have to, you do also have to have enough courage to not, um, allow your kind of learned behavior or your experience in a, what is, you know, a, a quite a small market here locally to, to define like how you look at the, the future evolution of a business, because the reality of, 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 say Vancouver is not the reality of other markets specifically when you start to to port that over to large scale hospitality the 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 way that you know value is created on you know a large hotel property is is so vastly different than a than a pre-sale condo and um so we do need to you know we we force ourselves to think you know much bigger at the same time like you know, there's, there's always a, a line in terms of, uh, you know, dollars and cents and how you deploy capital, but, but, you know, like a kind of, you know, legacy trophy hotel brand. Um, if you don't, if you don't, you know, throw some, some, some dough at it. And if you don't push hard to be, you know, kind of untethered from reality, like living in the dreamscape and making that come to life, you don't even stand a chance to stand out in, in, in that stuff. So, so we do need to, to swing over there, but it's very, you know, asset specific, so to speak. When you say you're swinging over there, I mean, you're talking to people about getting in, doing some Well, we do there? a lot of, we do a lot of that stuff now. It's just, we haven't, uh, we don't have a lot of it live because it's takes a long time to mm -hmm. have it, have it built, but we've got a, quite a few of those kind of projects that are, that we're actively designing and, and going into construction on, on right now. Um, yeah, you know, around 40 people. Yeah. Just, just shy of 40 people. And we're doing a, uh, Toronto office, you know, now as we speak, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be another five, you know, five, six out the gate to, that's a lot. That's it's a quite a bit design firm yeah. for a design firm is big. It's pretty big for, for here. Um, but you kind of need that, that amount of people to do the, scale of the projects that we're working on. Why is that? Um, well, you just need to be able to deploy a sizable amount of team the to same get the time. stuff done. And yeah. yeah. And you'll have, you know, you could imagine we've, we'll have, you know, you could have, you know, imagine you have a four tower site, you know, and that's one project, 
you got to have maybe five of those active, like at any given time, they take, you know, five years to, to complete. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, you know, folks that need to be actively working on those things and, and, and sort of stewarding them along. And then, and then it's, it's dialectic. There's always one, you know, there's always more coming in as, as, as more are going out. So, so it, it's, it, it really isn't like a crazy amount. And it's this, it's this weird little inflection point for us where we got to grow it a little bit more. Um, there's some, you know, there's some, uh, upside to the, to the, to a little extra scale there that we're at the, at this point right now, that's, that's actually quite crunchy, you know, a lot of management, <laughs> A lot of like hardcore software and stuff like I that. Know, it yeah. reminds me, I owe you an introduction to somebody. Who yes. Can help with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that, that that's, yeah, that's a lot of people, man. It's a lot. And then the second office, um, but congrats. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and I've been through a few like iterations of it. And I think that the, the, the thing that's, that's worked is just having, you know, I, okay. I think the, the, the reason I've had, um, a, a bit of a, not an easier time, but I've been, but I've been able to, to, to scale it a bit is that I I've never been a, an on the tools kind of designer, right? Like I've, I've actually literally put on a tool belt <laughs> and, built, and built the thing and I've like, you You're know, not anymore. Yeah. But I've never been like, I don't, you know, I don't do CAD, I don't work in SketchUp. And so we've always been having to, um, you know, hire people. Right. And so it's really always been about building, building teams and, 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 and working like dynamically on how to be, you know, efficient and balanced, like, you know, that level of creativity. And I'm obviously like, you know, evangelical about a, about a methodology and a way of thinking. Um, but I've always had to hire the technical side. And so, so I've learned how to, you know, and, and I don't think we're, we're perfect at it, but I've learned how to be very like trusting and hire great, great people. And I've completely benefited from awesome people coming in and just admitting that I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to what they do. And, uh, but I know what I expect from our business to be successful and what I want to offer and what our, what our values are. And, um, and being able to, you know, create that kind of culture. And I think that's served us well. That's such good advice for, mm -hmm. for the younglings nowadays. You know, it's, uh, it's frankly not the way that I was taught, probably not you as well, but you know, I grew up learning to, you know, focus on your weaknesses, shore up your weaknesses, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're good at something like think about school, totally. you know, that's going to take care of itself. You got to spend the time where you suck. Yeah. And, um, that is frankly bad advice. You know? it's, it's awful advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In yeah. life, in yeah. business, in, in the yeah. real world. Yeah. Um, you know, you're better focusing on your superpower. 100%. And then surround yourself with great people who complement, yeah. who have superpowers that complement your weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not always easy. And of course, like as you're, if you're entrepreneurial and you're sort of bootstrapping anything, you have to also do the opposite from time to time. Well, certainly earlier because you don't have a choice. You don't have, you don't have enough, uh, well, you frankly just don't have enough money to bring on the, the, the talents. You're wearing a bunch of different hats and then it's, 
And then it's, you know, a bit of a timing where you're like, well, I got to stretch because it's always a stretch, right? You're always like, what's an uncomfortable amount of money? And, and are we there yet? And I've got to go build the pipeline in order to, to make this new thing work. Um, but that fear is also quite good, especially when you compare that with like, well, I got somebody great and they're going to be transformative in a way. And I've been able to really qualify that. Um, but we also have the risk inherent in, in making this next move. And it gets you poised to, to just bite the bullet and, and do it. And that's, and it's, and, and if you learn how to enjoy doing that, then I think that's pretty cool too. Right. Um, you know what I enjoy about yeah. it? I enjoy the design of it. I enjoy mm -hmm. like designing a better strategy approach, solution mm -hmm. to a problem, mm -hmm. method mm -hmm. or a process. There's beautiful mm -hmm. design in that. Mm -hmm. I love that part of it. For sure. I think, I think that's the other thing is like the design thinking is inherent in, in, in everything and the level of cre like creativity. Um, and, and that, that's the thing is like, there's really no, there's really no, um, um, difference in a lot of ways, right? Like, like the, the mechanics is the art in a way, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and you often need to be like looking at it from a different perspective to find the, the way that it actually clicks together. So, so we're like that a lot too. Like we really geek out about that stuff in our studio because we love to just be you know, how do we evolve our, our sort of arc chart, right? And how do we, how do we sort of pair, you know, people together? How do we start looking at how we're, you know, our, our, our sales mix and like leveraging this kind of project, uh, against this, this kind of other thing that, that has a different function in the, in the, in the growth of the business. Right. And I think, and I think that for me, like, I, you know, I, I still am the creative director of our, our studio. And if that was 50% of my time, the other 50% is in that world. And I find it deeply creative and fun and like, you know, really rewarding. So I think that's a cool thing to, to, for people to, to get is that there isn't really this, this line between being creative and being like, um, strategic, you know? kind of the same. I think stuff. so. Yeah. Totally. What about the business development part of things? You know, do you do it yourself or do you have a team of people? Well, I mean, I still do quite a bit of it, but, uh, not, but we have more people now. In fact, uh, um, we have my ex studio director who used to be actually the, she used to Thanks. be the design director at, at Onion, who I, I, uh, when she left there, came over to work with me and helped me actually build the whole real estate side of our, our business. So she does business development for us now and, and also will come in and help, you know, give our team, you know, just sort of backfill on, on how to think again about real estate, you know, just embedded in it and basically, you know, had that, that, you know, life for years, probably like 10, 15 years when she was over there, where it was just really about, you know, floor plan efficiencies, every little, every little nook and cranny, you know, mm -hmm. trying to unlock that, that value. And, and, uh, and so having somebody that really knows our business that inside and out sort of being able to sort of advocate for us and, and, but also really empathetic to what like the clients on that side need has been, has been quite good. So she does a lot of it. Um, and, uh, and we have, uh, we have another chap in, in Toronto that's been, that's been helping on that side as well. So we do have to like, you know, scale it up quite a bit in order to, to, 
you know, we obviously have to drive it. And, and we're also really ambitious about making sure that it's not just, um, um, the same stuff, you know, we're, we're, we, we particularly like COVID really turned off the, the large scale hospitality dial for a while. And so you have to, you have to really get back on, on people's radars because all the inroads that we had made pre COVID, a lot of the, a lot of the people sort of, uh, you know, the contacts that have left those companies or, or whatever. So, um, so even though we're kind of like, you know, an inbound lead kind of like mainly that's our, our way of looking at it. We try to like let the brand expression go out into the world and, and, and have, you know, good qualified, clear leads come back where people get us. Um, we still really push hard for people to really understand who we are, what we do, why there's a differentiator, um, and how we're going to try and bring value to, to them and really understand them along the way. So, um, and I think that's been really valuable for us because we can feel, uh, like there's a good fit when, when, when we're working with, are your differentiators, all the things we've talked about already and Uh, your track record. I would say so. Yeah. I would say like, I would say that's the, the main thing is that we're, yeah, the, those ways that we, we, we do things. And I would, I would, I guess, add that we're, you know, we're in the commercial design business, right? We care about other people's businesses. We know that we're trying to find ways that the built environment unlocks value for, for them. And so we feel like we want to work in partnership with you. So, so I think that's kind of, um, how we try to color it in that way. And I I think, you know, quite often what, what I find is some of our clients appreciate the fact that I've got, you know, skin in, in other businesses that have to work in and of themselves, you know? So, um, we've always we've always sort of extolled that idea that we're we're here to understand your business and we're here to have a few tools that that are our our tools about how to how to unlock additional you know value either that's like you know in in the world of like pre-sales like what's that about you know a couple of more bucks per square foot or quicker absorption or whatever on the on the rental side I feel like there's a huge amount of potential there, by the way. It's like, like completely, completely untapped just in terms of how to really engineer livability experience, like all of the same with office, by the way. But, but we try to like come at it being like, you know, let's understand the pain points and then let us help you engineer programmatically and, and, and from a design standpoint, how we, how we, you know, get around them and, 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 and really ratchet up what this place can all be about and, and get the message out there and then deliver on it. Obviously, like we talked about, yeah, they're doing the rental thing in America at yeah. a whole nother level compared to here. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're really serious about rental, the, the mm-hmm. presentation centers and the experiences of like fully built out amenity product and stuff is unbelievable. For sure. For sure. I mean, like, I think it's, <laughs> but maybe it's a byproduct of the amount of litigation that that's just like what happens there. And it's the only way to go. But as a result, you just have so much more authorship of the overall experience. And you, and you also don't have that. What I think is 
it's a bit of a tricky thing, right? When you have a pre-sale, you're creating a, a deadline, right? Where you have to, you have to envision manufacture and, and storytell up to this, up to this point. And you're, and you're driving towards that. Now, obviously with, with a rental asset, you're, you're driving towards, you know, obviously you're in a, you know, you know, pre, pre-lease some stuff, but, 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 but the, uh, the process is, is elongated and you're driving towards a finished product. Uh-huh. Right. And then obviously you're going to hold the asset and you want to spin off value in an ongoing capacity. So, so really it's a lot more like doing a hotel or a, or, or, or a restaurant in the sense that you're like, well, what's great about this? What makes us stand out in the market is our reputation sustained over a long period of time. Right. You have to continue to, to maintain the value. And, and we love doing that because we're like, well, then you get to bring a whole bunch of our other tricks to it. You know, what's the service-based component? What's the brand component? Like, let's, like, let's talk about the, the retail strategy. Obviously, amenity can be super fun because, you know, half the people are like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to own this box in the sky. I better get some sort of you know, lifestyle out of it. Totally. And yeah. And then there's all this other crazy stuff. Like, and that's why I was saying it's the same with office in the sense of, you know, life admin, you got to create the magnetism for, for, for being at these places. You have to check off a whole bunch more boxes than, than just being there to, to work or to, you know, put your head on a pillow. You mentioned you're in Toronto for an office, uh, Reno. We're doing right now. We have, uh, a bunch of F and B there and are, uh, we're working on, on trying to get some, uh, rent, like rental projects and, and pre-sale projects, but no, we have a big office in Chicago Oh, and we have a couple of those, of those in the, in the, in the States and, and, and some stuff locally will, where there's a bit of this kind of repositioning of office space that could happen where we maybe just do the lobby or, or rooftop or some, or some amenity to bring some heat back there, like recontextualize what it's all about. Um, but yeah, on the U S side, the, the thing that's been neat is like, if anyone's going to hold the office stuff, then, then it's like, uh, um, you gotta, you gotta move the needle and, and, and they're seeing like the triple A stuff, if it's done properly, like highly amenitized and, uh, and with a design ethos, that's like, you know, you know, special, like that they're getting, they're getting leased, they're getting leased up. And I don't have the stats, but they're, they're quite promising from, from when I've talked to some of the brokerages down there that we sort of interface with. And it's like, it's pretty, pretty fun time to be doing that. Right. So you're like, Hey, let's put, you know, we're putting spas in these places, sports courts, you know, but you know, bars like that are all being, you know, run, by the, by the asset, you know, management. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's no different than doing like a, like a hotel aside from that. There are people that have come to, yeah, come it's like to you said before, everything's yeah. getting back to that hospitality yeah. mindset. We, we just, we just look at everything that way because I'm like, well, what, why wouldn't you do things that are like there to make people feel good? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of nice to do for people. Yeah. So what's attractive about Toronto? Why, why the, why the investment out there? Well, I mean, bigger, it's, it's busy. It's, and it's bigger and, you know, frankly, strategically, um, 
a lot of, you know, a lot of corporate head office, a lot of hospitality head office. Uh, I'm, you know, I spent 10, 11 years there. I know it really well. And, um, and, and, you know, like we we're still in the world of, of the built environment. Right. And, uh, what I like about, you know, we're kind of at a, at a bit of a ceiling here. Um, and what I like about going there is I know the city really well. So I know the difference between, you know, this block of Queen West and that block of Queen West, you know, like those, that little sort of like nuance of, of that stuff. And so for us, we, we really are dependent on being able to, if we do, for instance, if we do like, say we do like a, you know, a, like a yoga studio or we do like a, a gym or we do a restaurant, um, which is definitely always going to be part of what we do. Um, then it's really critical to get that kind of nuance. Like we really need to understand how to unlock what makes a place really special and, um, you know, why people would, would, would sort of, you know, patronize it. And it's like in the kind of, kind of DNA. And we, we do this work, you know, um, you know, fairly internationally. And we have some, we have some ways that we can get down to brass tacks on that. We have like a whole concept and envisioning department. We do a shitload of research. So we dig in, we do boots on the ground, like exercises to get it. And we do pretty good on that stuff, frankly. And at a scale, at a larger scale, we can, we can, we could still nail it. But at that boutique level, um, which is where you, you know, you know, like transparently, it's what drives press. It also is what like gets our design team very excited. They turn Bro. over quickly, right? You can get projects done within the year that you, that you sign them on and our team can actually go to those things. So, so we were mindful that we just wanted to, to go and do some, some stuff. We're going to expand then. Um, and we talked pretty seriously about LA and it comes with a lot more barriers of entry and I don't know the city as well. And I just wanted to, to trust my gut on that. And, um, and there's a lot of great talent in that city as well, which is a big thing for us is we're only as good as like the kind of talent we could bring on board. So yeah, totally the people business big time. Yeah. Is the talent pool bigger? There. Yeah, it's bigger. You know, it's a lot, it's just a bigger city. There's a lot, you know, more young people there that, that go to school. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just bigger and there's, there's more and there's, and there's, there's been a lot of like really strong studios that have existed there for a, quite a while. So there's, you know, you know, generationally they've spun off a lot of, a lot of, uh, good talent, you know, very different than the way that we approach things and think about stuff, but, but a lot of folks that, that we really respect. And, and so anyone that's been able to learn from some of those places is, is, is quite good for us to, to bring on board. Have you figured out, uh, hiring people abroad to work in part of your team? No, we, we do. We have a few people that are on, you know, contract that, you know, are in, um, Portugal and, and Spain that do a bit of stuff for us. Um, but we've never been able to outsource substantial parts of it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly kicking tires on, on that in, uh, a way to do it in a way that, that is, you know, in, in enhancement to what we do. 
Um, but there's a lot of communication for us. And so, um, stuff that, that is specific to, you know, design and, and production and coordination is, it's, it's quite tricky, but, but I, I just should admit that I don't really know the ins and outs of it. So, yeah. Is your team in the office every day or are they working from wherever they're most productive sometimes? Yeah, we're pretty flex. I mean, we encourage people to be there, you know, two, three days a week. Um, and yeah, our whole, we sort of got to put our money where our mouth is in the sense that when we're, when we're helping do workplace, we sort of, uh, you know, are very vocal about the notion that you need to pull people into the office. There needs to be that kind of magnetism that, that they feel compelled to be there, uh, you know, where they're not forced to be there, obviously. And so we sort of look at it like that for ourselves. So we just try to have a really, we got a great, great team and great people. And it's a very, like, it's just very fun to be in there. And it's, mm-hmm. um, so we have a lot of people that come in and then, uh, but they're, it's discretionary, you know, when people are kind of head down they're they're quite often work from home or, you know, often we'll have people that are like, you know, I'm going to, I got a class or an appointment or whatever. And so I'm just going to sort of sculpt my week to be where I don't need to be collaborating and I can, I can be from home and it gets me to my thing. And so we're pretty flex on, on that. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, we, we, we track all the stuff. And so it's, 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 uh, we can have the assurance that from a business metric standpoint, that the performance is, is, is there. Um, but we, we, we definitely see the value in being able to be flexible and we do a, we do a, uh, kind of week of work from any, anywhere as well, as long as people can be connected and, and they can usually what that means is you'll like stitch on a couple of days to your trip, you know, so you're going to visit, you know, we have a bunch of people that are here from UK or say Australia or they're, they come from all over the place. Right. And so they often want to go back and visit family and, and, you know, like you got maybe two days of travel time on either side. So you, you, you quite oftentimes burn your, your holiday, your holiday. Yeah. Right. So, so that's when people often will use that where they'll be like, well, I gotta, might have to travel, but then I might need to do a bit of like plug in and be able to work, you know, when I'm there and it sort of extends their time, they still get to spend time with their family and do the stuff. So, so we do that. And I think that's been nice for, for folks. Um, but, but yeah, we also have a, you know, there's half the office shows up usually every day and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. It's what I've been noticing is a lot of our junior team is almost always there these days, which I thought is pretty surprising. And I think they're just like, kind of like little sponges that are just like, they want to hear that, you know, that phone call. They want to like see what's going on in that smart of them. vendor meeting. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I would, I, I try not to be too like prescriptive about it cause I don't want it to, but my, my personal opinion is I, if, if I was in that position, I would be, I would just be in all the time. I'd want to, it, it's just so much to, there's so much to learn, right? Like even, even me, I'm like, I'm sitting there like seeing this work out of the side of my eye and, and like hearing somebody on a, on a call with a vendor. And I'm just like, I just, I'm learning, I'm personally learning stuff all the time. So I'm like, I'm like very like encouraging for younger people to, I I don't, I don't, I don't believe in the, the, the idea of, of, uh, being too, you know, 
overly balanced or this subscribing to this notion that everything should be in perfect equilibrium. I think, you know what, frankly, when you're younger, you have, you have a ton of energy. You don't have children, you have fewer obligations. Um, you could also sculpt time to, to, to socialize. So if you're able to, to, to sort of grind while, while you're at that point, you will, it's kind of like, um, compound, you know, like the learning, it just, so mm-hmm. I really, I really hope that, that, that a lot of younger people are like, no way I'm, I'm all in. Cause I want to go far fast. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. It's good to hear. Yeah. You know, the ground floor of our building here, one nine one Alexander, mm-hmm. um, what if it, it's an event space right now, mm-hmm. but if it was to be something permanent, what do you think we should do there? Yeah. I mean, I was just like poke, poking my head in on the way in actually. Oh, nice. Um, I mean, that's a, just a really nice space. Like I actually think like from a full, um, F and B standpoint, I don't know what's up with the infrastructure in terms of like, you know, cooking exhaust and electrical and load and all that. But, but I actually think that it would be a like cool, like bar and or restaurant. And I just think Gastown's getting like a bit of a, it's just on one of those like little, down notes, but it drives me nuts because I, I, you know, I like re this is, you know, I spent a lot of time down here and this is like the, this is where we sort of germinated a lot of the, the business. Right. And, um, so I'm really like a big advocate for this neighborhood. And I think like the more that, you know, you get a couple more places pop up, we'll see how I don't, I don't even like to dip my toes into the political discourse because, Frankly, I feel like out of, out of my depth, it's a little bit too sensitive for me to, to want to, want to discuss, but I'm hopeful that there's a little bit of momentum on things being safe and a little bit cleaner. I think that's just, um, it's just like a, it feels like it, it's just the way it should be. Right. It's just the right thing for any human being, you know, to do. It's like, you want to be safe, right? That's not too much to ask for. And I think if there's a little that nudge in the right direction on that side, then I'd like to see this neighborhood like get another little, little, little boost, which is what, which is what it was like when I first moved here. It was really quite exciting down here and it's just like COVID didn't do it any favors, but that's a beautiful space and has a ton of potential. So I know you've got all a few things cooking with how the property works. And so I would, um, I just think it'll, you know, somebody will come along and and should just put something in there. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's really nice. Mm -hmm. Thanks buddy. It's nice to hear. Yeah. Appreciate it. I mean the whole building, you guys have done a great job on the whole, whole building. Yeah. Thanks. It's not a bad view on this side. Yeah. That's nice. (laughs) Especially today. It's so good. So fun. Yeah. I mean, it's such a cool city. Like when you think of it, when you take a step back and you're just well, we like lose perspective being here, you know? Yeah. There's planes landing in the Harbor. Like there, you can take a boat from one side to the other, you know, there's like, like, it's just so interesting to me. Like yeah. the park is amazing. Um, you know, we're talking about boating. You just sort of cruise through here even like just going to that gas barge is, is interesting. Like I worked here in the office yeah. this morning and uh, then I had a meeting on my boat for a few hours That's in wild. the early afternoon, kind of over lunch. And then a back here today, you know, to meet with you. It's- there should be a documentary about your life then, because that's like an interesting <laughs> way to, you know. Like- I like, I, I actually, uh, I love my life, but yeah. 
I don't want a documentary about it. <laughs> I like to, to like, keep it on the download. You to, yeah, you have to talk about it's awesome. The good and the bad then. Well, I think it's <laughs> about, um, you know, I read a book from the Virgin Airlines guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one thing like memory point for me was uh, he talked about parenting too. And mm-hmm. he was, um, he was one for incorporating everything mm-hmm. together. Like mm-hmm. don't try to compartmentalize mm-hmm. it too much. Um, and, you know, take a call with your kid on your lap, mm-hmm. you know, just let it all mm-hmm. blend. Otherwise you're going to. Sure. You know, you're going to be neglecting some really important people in your For life. Sure. And, uh, well, Stanley Kubrick did that. So he had, oh, really? Yeah. He had like, he would work from his like estate, you know, he had a nice property. It always is easier when you're, you Loaded. know, affluent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was sort of like that. Just, just home and work and work and is all kind of one, one, one thing. And it's obviously easier, you know, said than done. Um, but, uh, I think it's, I I certainly like, like exposing my kid to that kind of stuff. Right. And seeing that work can be like a, like one of the enjoyable aspects of your life is, is pretty important. Um, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's relaxing for me to be one person all the time. Totally. Why? For sure. Why? Like I'm, I'm the same person I hear with you that I was this morning in my meetings that I will be when I go home tonight. Yep. Yeah. I, I, yeah. 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 I think that's probably quite healthy. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. People might get caught up in their personas and yeah. thinking about how they're supposed to be in one situation versus another. Yeah, for sure. I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't have the energy for that myself, but, uh, but you know, when I do feel that, like if I go to, <laughs> if I go to like, um, my, you know, kids school or school events and stuff like that, I'm always a little bit like, worried that I'm, you know, not behaving properly. (laughs) So you're going to embarrass your kid. Yeah. I mean, I'm, but I probably not because I'm probably like putting on like, uh, being too, you know, trying to be too nice and, and like not being myself and in that setting, because I feel like a little bit foreign in that atmosphere, you know? Well, your daughter's 11. So from what I'm told in two years, no matter what you do, it'll be wrong. So yeah. you can stop worrying about yeah. it then. Yeah. I'm already wrong. Most of the time. <laughs> so I don't even want to imagine what it's going to be like in two years. I'll just be like, so I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for coming by, man. It was a good hang. I enjoy. My pleasure. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy our conversations and, and I think it, you just do amazing work and Thank you. Uh, find you very interesting and, well, we're having a good time. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, we're really enjoying it, and uh, we're just happy to be. We, I just really like, I just really like, you know, being able to impact the places that we work in in a way that, um, you know, feels like we're moving things in the right direction, and uh, and I think that's one of the cool things about being in in Vancouver is that there's a lot to be written here still. And when you get to be part of like defining it, it's, it's pretty fulfilling. So, um, we're very grateful to be given the opportunity to participate. So, yeah. Well, I'm grateful too, cause I enjoy your work. So thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for Keep having me. Keep it up. <laughs> right on.